talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. It's the inaugural show of the Catherine Zox Show here on Voice America, voiceamerica.com women. I love it. It's a show for women. Men can listen to. Uh, it's all about issues that concern women, although there was an article that Gloria Steinem had wrote, and I, and I really agree with her. She said that really all issues have to do with women. You know, it's just, <laughs> don't you think so? I, and I have to introduce my co-host, Lauren Beller, who is my business coach. Uh, since this is my first show, and, you know, before you do something the first time, even though I've been in radio for, what, five years now, I get anxious, so uh, every time I do a new show, I have my business coach, Lauren Beller, who's president of Big Fish Nation, which is a 12-month entrepreneurial program, a business coach program, and you can take that also in the comfort of your own home or office. I have Lauren on the show, always on my, you were on my very first show, weren't you, Lauren? I was. I remember it. We had to do it in person live, and look at us now with new technology. Isn't this cool? Not only live. I, I, I was gonna. We, we did this show. The first show I ever did was at this very small radio station out in Cobleskill, New York. And Lauren was my first guest. I was gonna pick her up at her house and take her out there. But <laughs> <laughs> instead, Lauren decided uh, she'd drive out there herself. Would you have a Mercedes? You had some fancy car because you didn't have kids at the time. You were like single and cool. What was your car like? A I, had, I had a BMW, and I still have that car. You do? I love that car. That is a very cool car. I'm out. I'm so nervous. I'm getting ready. Drive out to the station. It was the Catherine Zock show. And Lauren calls me on her cell, and she said, I am stuck on the highway. My car broke down, or I don't have gas. I've got a flat tire. You had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, do I come pick her up? Do I try to get on the – what did we do? How did you get there? It was like 30 Somehow, seconds. miraculously, we were able to get it fixed and get back on the road in time. Thanks yeah. to BMW Services. You know, they have this, you know, service program. So thanks to that, we – we got fixed up and rather quickly and back on the road, and I think I drove a little fast and didn't get stopped, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is, this is what, the third or fourth show that you've been uh, done with me, so this is great. Anyway, Lauren, and Lauren, this is a perfect show because for my first show, the Catherine Zock Show, uh, Social Worker with a Microphone, actually your Social Worker with a Microphone, um, we're going to talk about all different kinds of topics, but Mother's Day is coming up Sunday, so what a perfect day to start the show off. It's kind of a Mother's Day show, and it's going to be mothers and daughters. Now, you just had, I keep saying you just had a daughter, but Sierra Bell is a year old. Fifteen months. And fifteen months. Oh, my gosh. And you are an old mom. An old mom. I am an old mom with a BMW. <laughs> old mom. And when we say old mom, I don't mean that she's old because you've had the baby for a long time, but you had Sierra like 40 years old. I was 40 when Sierra was born. Yeah. So that's, you know, by the time you're 60, you're going to have a 20-year-old, and you're going to have teenagers when you're my age, and uh, so that's a big challenge. But anyway, I just wanted to guest this morning, uh, really interesting, and I've seen one of the guests on the Today Show a couple weeks ago. She and her co-author, uh, the, the, one of the authors who's going to be on this morning is Dr. Sue Ellen Hampkins, and Lauren, they are, and her, the co-author was Renee Schultz, and she is a psychologist. The two of them got together and co-authored this book called The Mother Daughter Project. Uh huh. I actually saw them on on the Today Show as well. 
and now they're going to be on our show. Excellent. Yeah, very cool. Uh, very interesting book and also the whole process of how they got to write the book because they started out, I guess, mm-hmm. when they were their daughters were like seven years old. And people will say this to you, Lauren. Oh, do they say it now, like, enjoy your daughter because when she grows up she's going to be a monster, wait till she gets to be a teenager? Do, you, do people say that to you? No, they don't say that, but I have an angel of a daughter. <laughs> oh, you have the one perfect daughter. But exactly. She's, yes, but she's 15 months old. She's now with her nanny. We almost couldn't start the show because I'm, I'm getting really anxious. Lauren hadn't called in, so I said, so when I called you, I said, call into the show now. Right now, and, she says, call I'm, in. Yes. Sierra is like crying in the background. Well, this is what, what mothers, working mothers have to deal with, we right? We juggle it. We yeah. juggle it. Juggle. You so know what's ready? funny is I was juggling before I was a mother. It was just different things I was juggling. But don't you think you had more control over it when you were <laughs> when you didn't have the, another person that was? Yeah, it was. It's different when you juggle some uh, inanimate objects versus animate objects. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's no predictability when it comes. A little to less, it. a little less. But when you juggle enough things, there's some. There's less predictability. Just, it is different. It is true. Because if you wake up in the morning, she's got a cold, or she's sick, or she's crying, or, you know, I know she's perfect, she doesn't cry that much, but if she does, or she has some, you know, stuffy nose, you can't predict that. You have to take care of it. You have, you have to, to take, take care, care of it, of course, yeah. And if the nanny doesn't show up, then what do you do? Now, I said, if the nanny doesn't show up, put her on your, I told, I said to you, I said to Lawrence, put her on your lap, we'll do the show, crying, that's what you do. <laughs> but we didn't have to do that, thank you. No, we didn't. Yeah. Uh, we also have a second guest, Lauren, who is, this is also about mother and daughter relationships. It hit me like a ton of bricks, hence the title, A Memory, A Memoir of a Mother and Daughter. And this is written by a first-time author. She's an actress, Catherine Lloyd Byrne. So we've got a lot of mother, I'm not, a, see, I don't have a daughter. So and you, you and I have talked about this, like it's very, I think my daughter's very different than mother's sons. I have three sons. I really do think it's different. I mean, I don't know that for sure. I just, I make that up based on what I, you know, how I hear other mothers interpreting and talking about parenting a son versus a daughter. Well, I think sons, at least when they're very young, there's a lot of, you know, they have a lot, they're, they're I think just boys in general, there's a lot more energy, they, they run around, they're a lot more, maybe chaotic is the word, I don't know. I agree boys. with that. <laughs> I, I mean, I see other boys running around and they're more generally more chaotic. And I think when, when you add two to the mix, it's even more chaotic. How about three? I had three. I know, you're crazy. That's all I know. I used to want to tear my, I mean, tear out. <laughs> I mean everybody talks about great relationships. I mean, well, you even said you've got the perfect daughter. Well, I mean, the boys were great, but I could just, sometimes I would go in my room and just close the door and just say, boy, you have to leave me alone. And I had plenty of help, but that didn't make any difference because with three guys, you need at least two people taking care of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't have, yeah, that's a little different to have one versus three. That's a big difference. Yeah. So what do you think, 42, 40, now you're almost, well, are you 41 now? I'm I mean, 41. I'll be 42 later in the, in September. I was 30 when I had my first. And, and I thought I was that was old. older. And that was old. Yeah. So for my generation. We're, we're, you and I are at either end of the baby boom. Okay. 40. I mean, that's that's a whole different perspective when you're raising a daughter at age 40 than at age 25 or even age 30. It is different. I feel very, actually quite fortunate. I feel like there's a wisdom I can bring to, you know, bring to the relationship versus trial by error, you know? <laughs> Do you think you have more self-confidence because you've Definitely. done other things? Like Definitely. you've been in business and you've made decisions and so you're able to be more clear about how you want to do your parenting, that kind of stuff? Definitely. I feel like there's a, I have a lot more confidence. I feel like I know what, I, what I'm intending to create. 
what about your in-laws and your own mother? <laughs> Did I tell you there was one topic we're not going to talk about today? No, I'm oh, we joking. can't. Are they listening? I'm, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> we get a CD of this, by the way. Even if you know, they're not listening, I, I do. <laughs> I don't think it matters my age when it comes to parents. Parents will always like in-laws and mothers will always be your in-laws and mothers, whether you're 20 or you're 40. So they don't have any more respect for you because I don't you're 40 think so. years old. No, I don't think so. They I really don't. don't. I really don't. Who's the most difficult, your mother-in-law or your mother? <laughs> I'm the so- hey, my show is your social worker with a microphone, so we got to get... Just different, no- just yeah. different, you know, different in different ways. And not that they're difficult, just different in their perspectives and how to parent and what, they're, what they would like to see. And I, we're, in some ways, I'm, I think I'm fortunate. We're, you know, 2,000 miles away from our both my mother and my mother-in-law. Perfect. And in some ways, that's great, and in other ways, it's horrible. You know, the great is that, you know, the day-to-day, they're not watching exactly how it's working. They see Sierra every couple months. My mother comes every other month or so. And then sometimes we get back to the Northeast and, you know, we'll spend a week at a time with one another. Also, you can't call on them, somebody you totally trust, even if you don't totally exactly. agree with their parenting yeah. skills. Yeah, you can't yeah. just call up and say, you know, I'm, and, you know, could you just come for an hour or, you know, could you drop in, could I drop her off for an hour? You can't do that. So that makes a difference. But do you think that it's easier? I found it was when my mother told me to do something that I disagreed with. For her, I could say, come on, oh, my, you know, I I could get mad at her. I could tell her no. I could disagree. But when it was my mother-in-law, it was a little more testy. Yeah, well, she, yeah, my mother-in-law just tends to ask questions. But they're definitely, like, you're going to do baby sign language. Do you think that will inhibit her speaking? (laughs) Oh, that used to I had exactly those kinds of things from my mother-in-law. Well, she's dead now, so I can say whatever I want, and I'm divorced. Oh, God. So I'm free. I you can are. Say <laughs> and she used to say, because I was nursing the babies, and I nursed the babies till they were nine months old and never gave them any food or any other kind of uh-huh. drink. Oh, that, I'm mother-in-law. sure there was opinions about that. Do you think, this was the question for my mother-in-law as I'm nursing the baby, do you think that, that it will, it, by just giving them the milk, do you think that that will, that they have enough food or do they have enough vitamins? Or are, they they, going, yeah. are they going to be too small? Are they going to be too small? <laughs> and that's the little bubble on top, but the underlying message was, I, mean, I wanted to say to her, do you think I'm trying to kill my baby? I'm right. not. I mean, right. I'm a good mother. I'm a responsible mother. I take this baby to the doctor, to the pediatrician every three weeks. <laughs> He's fine. He weighs what he does. If he didn't, then I wouldn't be doing it. But I... You kind of want to say, why don't you just come out with it and be straight? Exactly. My mother, and my mother's comments are funny. I'll say, oh, Sierra um, just threw herself on the floor. She goes, oh, how do you handle that? Oh. <laughs> I handle that. By <laughs> See, I, and then after a while, if they're there for too long, it really it can be very stressful. And I think as a new mother, it's more stressful. And, it, and if you're not quite percent sure of what you're doing, it really can get under your skin. You know, it's don't true. you? It's funny. And, you know, I, I find that less of it gets under my skin because I can laugh at it and say, this is, I know where they're coming from, and they're being who they are, and I just, I don't, I, they are who they are. So it makes, in some ways, it makes me laugh. If I had dealt with it every day, all day, it would be really different. So you need, you need support from other women, you need support from your husband. Sometimes husbands protect their mothers. Oh, yes, that's, that's true. What a dynamic that is. Yes. <laughs> but we do the same. I protect mine, you know. Yeah, because and also you're used to her parenting, and she, you know, you know exactly. what her parenting, yeah, skills are. So it's it's more it's complicated. It's kind of and, and do, the two. Does your mother and the mother-in-law, your mother-in-law, do they ever get into it? Um, no, it seems at this point so far pretty benign and you know loving. So that's nice. 
Yeah, so they get along. Yeah. That's good. So yeah. you need to have another baby so that they'll be more, <laughs> they can be more focused on, on uh, not just on Sierra Bella. <laughs> You're not the first that's been telling me that the past couple months. You think you'd ever do that at 42? That's I don't tough. know. Going through a pe- pregnancy at 42 is, is tough. It's 14 minutes past the hour. You're listening to Catherine Zox, the inaugural show, the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com, women. And my co-host is Lauren Beller, president of Big Fish Nation. And you can log on to BigFishNation.com. We'll be back in a minute. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Between work and home, have-to-dos and want-to-dos, and exploring personal beliefs about ourselves and the world, there doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day to do it all. So how do we keep our mental and physical balance? On Living Well, Feeling Great, with licensed clinical and health psychologist, author and host, Dr. Peter Lambro, learn how to create a healthy and balanced work, personal, and spiritual life. Dr. Lambro and his expert guests explore the fields of hypnosis, nutrition, energy psychology, mental and emotional health, exercise, clearing self-sabotage, and other innovative pathways to manage life successfully and joyously. Learn to eliminate chronic anger, frustration, or disappointment, and hear about the techniques such as how to install positive beliefs. Living Well, Feeling Great with Dr. Peter Lambro broadcasts each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Living Well, Feeling Great, helping you reach your goals. The true meaning of your dreams doesn't have to be a mystery. Join host Bob Haas, author and pioneer in dream science, to understand what your dreams mean and how they impact your daily life. Bob and his panel of experts from the International Association for the Study of Dreams will provide facts about dreams and discuss techniques of translating your own dreams and how you can use them for your mental and physical well-being. Dreamtime will further explore the research and science of dreaming and deliver a powerful comprehension of the function of dreaming. Listen live to Dreamtime with Bob Haas every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network and discover the science behind your dreams. Again, that's every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Back on Catherine Zox, and you are listening to the Catherine Zox Show with Lauren Beller on VoiceAmerica.com, women. And uh, we're back after two minutes. My board op was IMing me. He said, not one minute, two minutes. So we had two minutes. And uh, joining me this morning, the author of The Mother-Daughter Project, How Mothers and Daughters Can Band Together, Beat the Odds, and Thrive Through Adolescence. Dr. Sue Ellen Hampkins, and uh, Dr. Hampkins is a psychiatrist. She actually practiced uh, right near where we are in uh, upstate New York, but uh, over in Massachusetts at Smith College for 12 years. She was a psychiatrist, and now she she, uh, specializes and has a practice which specializes in women's mental health. So the Mother-Daughter Project, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this 
show this morning, and uh, this is my first show on Voice America Women, so uh, nice to have you here. It's great to be here. Yes, I did. I saw you on the Today Show and saw all the girls and the... Oh, uh, weren't they wonderful? Yeah, really cool project. All right, so tell us, what is the Mother Daughter Project? I know it's both a book and it's also about a project that a you... A project, yeah. We, as a group of mothers of us, uh, Catherine, it started uh, when our daughters were seven years old, we got together to meet with each other to provide because we, we saw what was coming up in the teen years. We were worried about it, and we wanted to support each other in staying close with our daughters and helping them get through the hurdles of the, of the teen years. And one of our plans from the very beginning was if we came up with ideas that seemed like they might be useful to share, that we would do that, and that's where the book came from and also our presentations. Yeah, because one of the things, and, and you mentioned, I think, either on the book cover, it says, you know, one of the comments that's the most troubling to the mother of a young girl is she loves you now, but just wait until she's a teenager. Exactly, and, you know, I hear this all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm glad your, your co-host, <coughs> excuse me, Lauren, is not worried about that, but so many moms of girls, uh, you know, three, four-year-olds even are like, you know, who find out that I have a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old, they're like, oh, is it really as bad as they say? And, you know, it isn't. Our discovery is really that teen girls really need and want a close relationship with their moms and that you can keep the close relationship you have with your young daughter right through the teen years. And uh, our book really shows how that's possible. Yeah, your book really shows very specifically how to do it. I mean, actual mm-hmm. exercises for doing it. And of course, now when you had the project, though, you had all you and uh, how many of there were you? Well, we started with uh, uh, a group of about ten mothers uh, with daughters of different ages, and over the years, we kind of broke into into smaller groups that were based on the, our daughters' ages. So we have several different groups going simultaneously. So, Dr. Hamkins, what happened? Like, because it does happen that they, the girl, you know, separation, individuation, they always say, you know, I'm a social yeah, worker. You've got to have absolutely. a little tension there, or otherwise they can't separate. And they're just going to be mama's girls all the time. So how would you get over that? Well, you know, we had the same worry, and that was, in fact, my own training as a psychiatrist, was that in order to become form your own identity, a girl needed to separate. But there was new research questioning that. But what really galvanized our group is when we looked back at our own childhoods, and, you know, we looked at what happened with our own relationships with our mothers, and we saw that all of us in our group had very close relationships when we were little girls, and then there was a rift that happened during the teen years. And looking back, I mean, at the time we were kind of thinking, I want my mom to leave me alone. But looking back, we realized we really missed our moms, and we really wanted our mothers to understand us better. So that really strengthened us. And what we've you know, discovered... I remember, when I, and I'm very close to my mother now. She's in uh-huh. her 80s, and I call her every day because, you know, her, both her husbands are dead, and she's alone, and we talk, and yep. we're very close. But, you know, during the teenage years, there was one... I always was jealous. When I was, like, awkward and chunky and that prepubescent, yep. I was jealous of her. She had this great relationship with my father. She was very attractive. We had uh-huh. a swimming pool, and she would be, you know, in the pool with my father. And I remember feeling, ooh, wait till she, I was, I had a real, there was, I was jealous of my mother. Right, and those, you know, basically mothers and daughters, they care so much about what the other thinks of them, and uh, they want each other to be proud of them. Mothers want their daughters to be proud of them, and also daughters really want their mothers to be proud of them. And, you know, that's part of what can cause some of the conflicts and some of the difficulties is how much we actually really care about each other's opinions. So what happened, Doctor, when things came up? And they did come up, obviously. You know, in our group. In your group, when, people, when mother or daughter had a problem. 
One of the things we found is that the group, uh, other mothers and daughters were really key, both to provide support, but also when you're going through a rough patch um, with your daughter, you know, we, which we all did, where she's, you know, maybe slamming doors or yelling, leave me alone, or even I hate you, yeah. we would come in and say, I don't know, I think maybe she does, you know, need me to pull away. And the mothers in the group would say, well, you know, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe this isn't really about you. Maybe she's having an issue in her life. And she she doesn't even maybe know what it is or how to talk about it. And, you know, she gets mad at the one person she knows is not going to, you know, abandon her if she's the rude. The one person, the unconditional so love, who she can coach scream. through that. Yeah, I hate you and you're not going to kick her out of the house. And she can right. slam the door. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah and... Uh, so you got to, well, I guess what it is, is you got a whole, a different perspective. You're not going through this whole process alone. Cause you have Absolutely. To, yeah. And you know, just like, uh, and maybe Lauren can relate to this, just like when, you know, our kids are little and we need other moms to talk to about like colic and diaper rash and, you know, just all those little things we, you know, we don't know about. When our girls are teens, we need other parents in just the same way to talk about these difficult moments, to talk about what's happening with the internet or what, you know, what kind of sexual pressures are our, girls under in school, what are they getting exposed to? And we can be a real resource for each other, both practically but also emotionally. You know, that is a really good point because you're so right. You know, when you when the babies are born, there are all these mommy support group kinds of things for breastfeeding and, and all the things that you yeah. mentioned. But then you get more isolated as time goes on, and that's probably when the stakes yes. are higher and you need more support. Exactly. Just, you know, in the middle, you know, when the kids are seven, eight, and nine, a lot of girls are doing great. It's a little bit of an easier time, but then right around the bend, and it comes so fast, puberty does. It just zooms in and then suddenly you're dealing with a whole other set of issues but you don't have the same support so what our book and also our website motherdaughterproject.com is it really provides a real easy way for moms to connect with other moms to talk about some of this stuff and then also if they want to to create a gather, opportunity to gather as mothers and daughters together yes. and that provides a, a great space for um, creating kind of a new norm of you know, it's cool to be close to mom. Creating a place where it's where it's fun and it's really, it's what girls really want. And it's a this book is a has been described as a chronicle of your success, which it is, and it is that roadmap I think that we all mm-hmm. need as mother of mothers of teenage girls. Although, as if you were listening or uh, you were tuned in, I'm the mother of boys, yes, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which has different problems. You Absolutely, know, very different issues. Uh, you don't have the same kind of competition is- issues. I think that mother and daughters have it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah because they're not going to grow up to be you. Yeah, you know, they're going to grow not. up to be men. <laughs> and they, they may share some of your values, but for girls and moms, it's it's more complicated. Partly because of that, because we have more in common, and also the world hands some some real challenges to girls, whether it's around, you know, you know, pressures to have the perfect body, or uh, you know, other kinds of concerns. Uh, and don't like, you think, Dr. Hopkins, also, this is another thing that mm-hmm. as they get older and they're teenagers, I mean, for babies, there are less choices. You know, they can't put their hand on the stove, it'll get burned. All mothers, right. you know. But as you get older, and especially today, there are so many different choices. So many Absolutely. good choices and bad choices. And you really need, and things change so quickly that I think the support that you talk about in the book and in the project is 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 really key. Yes, I mean, there's unprecedented opportunities for girls and there's unprecedented dangers. And as they get older, the truth is is that we can influence our, our you know, older teenagers, but we, unless we're in the room with them, we actually cannot control what they do. And our model is really one of mutual respect, of really engaging our girls in, <coughs> excuse me, 
excuse me, dialogue about, you know, the issues, you know, that upset them. Like the, we have an exercise in the book of like, you know, how is what is what you're wearing getting what getting you what you want? <laughs> and we kind of talk about, okay, you know, how how is it working to wear, you know, a skimpy outfit in different contexts? And do you like what happens with that? And engage the girls in making their own choices and saying, oh, you know, I love this skimpy outfit when I'm with my closest friends at a small party, but I really, you know, I really actually don't like how it feels when I'm in school. Were there any disagreements among the mothers as you went around in this project? How often did you meet? Once a month? The moms met once a month just as mothers, and then we met once a month as mothers and daughters. And I mean, we're still meeting. Our daughters are 17. We just had a meeting Tuesday night where we were all talking. The girls were telling about which colleges they got into and stuff. Um, but we would meet once, a, you know, once a month as moms and once a month as mothers and daughters. And we'd create fun activities that were appropriate for girls of different ages. So, to both address the hot issues and also just to have fun. And, uh, now, we only have a couple of minutes left, so I want to mm-hmm. make sure that listeners know, if they want to start a mother-daughter project, uh, do you go around and help uh, help those you know, other women to start the project? Or do we go to your website? We certainly can. You can go to our website, motherdaughterproject.com. It tells how to start a group. Our book, uh, and our book gives more detailed information about nurturing a group over the long haul, as well as just information about understanding your teenager from age 7 to 17. Uh, we do go and uh, travel and speak. We also have uh, the, anyone who we've getting, been getting emails from all over the country on, uh, on our contact us page on the website. Uh, people asking advice that we're giving. We're hearing from, you know, multi-generational mother-daughter groups that want to start and so on. So it's been really exciting. Well, here's uh, one for you. Since you're on the net and you're answering emails, do you get uh, emails from mother and daughters from around the, the world, different countries, different cultures, and, and it would seem to me they may have different answers for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have been, uh, and we've presented our work uh, all over the world in Mexico, Australia, Hong Kong. And the response, it's very interesting because um, the, the media actually, you know, even though there's a lot of cultural differences in different countries, there's a lot of similarity in the kinds of advertising and the kind of media that uh, teen girls and mothers are exposed to. And so there's actually a lot of similarity in the kinds of pressures girls are under. And also on the pressures for girls, you know, there's this idea that, you know, uh, that you're not supposed to be close to your mom. And we're really saying, let's let's create a new idea of cool where it's cool to be close to your mom. And that's part of what we're doing. That's wonderful. It's great work. I love the book. I wa- uh, let's mention the website one more time. So, okay. it's, so yeah. it's the motherdaughterproject.com, motherdaughterproject.com. Motherdaughterproject.com. And the book is The Mother Daughter Project, How Mothers and Daughters Can Band Together, Beat the Odds, and thrive through adolescence, and it really is, as we said before, it is a roadmap. The book is a roadmap for for uh, for doing this. It has to get you on about five years from now. You got a whole uh-huh. <laughs> see what happens when the gals get into their twenties, because I assume you're going to yeah. continue with the project. Yeah, we are definitely. And you know, and my twelve-year-old was involved in her own group. But yeah, it's, I mean. Seeing these young women, and you could see it when they're on the Today Show, and also that clip is on our website, too, the Today Show clip, if you want to see these, you know, 17-year-old girls. They're quite self-possessed young women who, it's clear that even though they all have a close relationship with their mothers, they're very much their own people, and they're different from us. They share some of our values, but they're very different. Yeah, and I think maybe that's the key. That's a good note to live on, uh, to leave mm-hmm. on, because mm-hmm. they can be unique, they can be different, but you can still be connected and very close. You don't exactly. Have, yeah. they're the, Right. We're, our model is one of both connection and autonomy, and that these things actually support each other. Yeah. 
You don't right. need separation. It's about connection. Connection supports girls. Girls who feel connected with their moms actually feel more confident to develop their own identities and be true to themselves out in the world. Great. Wonderful having you on the show this morning. Oh, it's great speaking yeah. with you, Catherine. Ter- terrific. Have a great day. Okay, and happy Mother's Day and to you. And happy Mother's Day to you, all too. All the listeners. Sue Ellen Hampkins, and uh, she's a psychiatrist, a physician, and co-authored this book with Renee Schultz, who is a psychologist, and they are author of The Mother-Daughter Project. And, uh, Lauren, I have to give you a a free copy. Do you have a copy of the book? I don't have a copy of the book. It's a fabulous book, and and it really is, and it is a roadmap. And you can always, it's sort of like one of those little Bibles of, uh, you know, how to, act and react with your daughter. Maybe you could start a group in Austin. There's so much. I mean, that would be a great group for Austin. Yeah, it would. She's uh, she's a very cool lady, Sue Ellen, and so is Renee. So, it, yeah. yeah. If you go to the website, you can, uh, listeners, you can also see a picture of, of the the, uh, co- the authors and their daughters when they were on the Today Show. You're listening to Catherine Zox, the Catherine Zox Show on voiceamerica.com. Women. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Chat with Women reaches boomer women and their daughters. The concept is simple. It's the modern equivalent of having coffee with a million or so of our closest girlfriends. Chat with Women doesn't talk trash and it doesn't dish dirt. It's intelligent programming for intelligent women. Imagine that. Host Pam Gray and Rochelle Alhadif, fun-living women with enough life experience to go around, want to share their joy and knowledge of life with others. Plan to spend Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time with Pam and Rochelle on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you can't call mom, call Chat with Women. Real advice for real life from real women. And to keep their listeners laughing and learning with exciting interviews, live call-in sessions, and advice from two revolutionary baby boomers. Join Pam and Rochelle every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for Chat with Women here on the Voice America Women's Channel. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care, which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for inner health through homeopathy. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. You're listening to the Catherine Sock Show. I think I'm on the air. 33 minutes past the hour. Don't get to talk to my board up. I said to uh, 
to Ruben earlier, can, you know, can you get on the air and talk with me? He said no. But anyway, I got it. 34 minutes past the hour. I'm Catherine Sox. Uh, this is my first show on Voice America Day, if you're listening, and it's Voice America dot com women and this is our women's show today this is actually it's a mother's day show it's a great show to have as my first show because it's all about mothers and it actually turned out to be mothers and daughters and i'm the mother of three sons i have three boys in their 20s so i'm in a little bit of a different boat but uh, the author of the book it hit me like a ton of bricks a memoir of a mother and a daughter and the author is Catherine lloyd burns she's my guest this morning and actually Catherine started out or is an actress and decided to write a book about her relationship with her own mother and her own daughter three generations welcome to the show nice to have you on Catherine. thank you very much it's nice to be here yes you're Catherine with a c and i'm Catherine with a k so. Well, and yet no one would know from talking to us. It sounds just the same. We sound exactly the same. I loved your book. I was reading your book on the way to New York City last weekend, and uh-huh. I was laughing and crying, and I identified with so many things in the book. Um, but you, it's really all about that love-hate relationship between mother and daughter. Um, it really is. Yes, it is. And I guess we all have it, don't we? I think, you know, it's funny how if you write something and it's very personal, you're kind of shocked how many people relate to it, you know, but it does seem to be a very universal, it's a very intense relationship. But, Catherine, when you wrote the book, you say shocked. Was your mother shocked? See, I'd like to write a book about my mother, but I I don't want her to read it. No. Well, I feel ultimately like it's a love story. So I wasn't, you know what I mean? It's, it it's, a, as, it's yeah. a very rough love story, and it doesn't leave out any of the nasty parts, but I think that most people, you know, have those feelings. Right, let's talk about the book. Well, first of all, what made you decide, well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this book? Because you're an actress. You're not a, you weren't. Now you are an author. But right. You, yeah. Well, I just, you know, I, um, I had always, my mother is such a fascinating person, and she never went to college, and she runs this entire department at NYU that she made up out of her head, and she lost two husbands, and she's just never done anything the way anybody else ever did, and I was always so amazed by her, although not really thinking that she was the best mother at all times. Why wasn't and, she the best mother? What was it? What were the? Well, she just always, you know, she was very. She had a lot going on, and she never identified herself through her children. You know, I think some. I think that's kind of like a big battle that women have when they stay at home to raise their kids. They sort of lose their identity, and then their kids grow up, and they're like, "Oh my God, who am I? I'm not a mom anymore." Yeah. You know? Yeah, they have to redefine themselves. Right, and my mother, that was never her problem. Okay. Um. And I think, you know, and she really, when my father died, she really desperately needed work because without it, I think she just would have been so miserable. Now, you grew up. wouldn't have been able to take it. And so the book is, I mean, it's also kind of about just the different ways that people deal with grief, I guess. And her way was to just immerse herself in, in work. Well, you talk about life is about loss. That's what mm-hmm. it's about. It's how we deal with those losses. Right. It's, it's, life is a continuous, it's, it's kind of a negative way of seeing it, I think. Sometimes. It is kind of. Yeah. But, it's, but I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's like that is part of life, you know, is, is just the recon, the constant rejuvenation and death of things. And it, you know, it, you can say the same words and depending on how you look at it, it could be very negative or it could be sort of realistic and positive. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's how you handle the loss. And if you do right. it, you can do it in a very positive way. And it, you know, then you go forward, but or or not. But you did, and you do. 
you know, because you, but one of the things that stood out in the book for me was that you were able to handle all of these things, you know, first of all, not just your father dying, but you have, grew up in a very wealthy family, and then all of a sudden you're left, you have to move from the Upper East Side to Soho, I think it was. To the village, yeah. The village, yeah. Uh, which is not a bad thing, but, you know, all these major lifestyle changes. Right, there were a lot of changes. Yeah, but you also, you went to you went to Barnard. You're very smart. I mean, you had your own problems, but <laughs> <laughs> you got into some of the nasty stuff when, uh-huh. you, were, yeah, when you were in college. Uh, but you had a lot of inner strength yourself. Uh, you know, I think that, that came out in the book. At least it was, it became See, that's so funny because I feel like my mother just, you know, I mean, all my life, like, I feel like the way I handled everything that happened to me, I just took to my bed. And my mother just went to the office. <laughs> really just always thought she handled everything so I mean, in the beginning, I thought, what is her problem? Like, she should be more emotional. She should talk about things more. You know, she's so out of touch. And I think that, you know, I've sort of come, I mean, I've come around a lot to realize that taking to your bed is not necessarily the most constructive way to get all, through I also think the it's, day. yours is a Jewish family, right? What? You were a Jewish mother, right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I have a, my mother's a German Jewish mother, so uh-huh. she didn't have all that 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 emotional stuff that you're talking about, you know, that over-emotion. That doesn't, right. she used to say to me, that doesn't mean just because you weep and wail and cry and take to your bed that you care more. That, right. And I always remember that because she was someone who, even though she was a stay-at-home mom and your mother went to the office when she, to handle mm-hmm. things, uh, doesn't mean that they weren't processing it and handling it. But Exactly. But there's just, but I think it takes a long, it took a long time for me to kind of understand, because you always relate to the way you handle things most, you know, and so... I mean, I think that's, to me, what the book really is about, is that at different times in your life, you can look at the exact same situation and see it differently. And even in the beginning, the dedication of the book is about, you know, my mother says, I think you should write a disclaimer, saying that there are three truths, mine, yours, and the truth. And she's right. Is really true, because even the very first anecdote in the book, which describes how when I was 19 and a drug-addicted, bulimic mess, that my mother tracked me down and was petrified that I was dead and I I didn't want to go see her and I was going to Barnard and I had to take the subway for an hour and a half to get downtown and I finally got to her house and she was crying and shaking and I thought, oh my God, this is it. This is the moment where she's going to say, I'm sorry, everything that's wrong with you is my fault and I apologize and I love you. And I was so just, I, I was so happy and instead she said, I just realized none of this is my fault. <laughs> and I left and I thought, I have the craziest mother, you know, in the world. Catherine, I identify with your mother. This is what I say to my boy. Right, but now years have gone by, I actually think she's right. Like when I first wrote that anecdote, I thought it showed one thing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, now I think that it shows the opposite you? because it really, after a point, you really do kind of have to get on with your things. And um, I don't actually blame her for anything anymore. Yeah, and do you think that that really did come about as after you had your own daughter and you realized? Oh my God, yeah. totally. It, I don't think I would have been. I don't think I would have been capable of um, coming to that without it. You know? so, I, I can also see, and this is this is mother son, but there the similarities. I mean, with each one of my boys, 
They expect me to be infallible. They expect there's some expectation yes. of me being perfect. And finally, you know, I'm. I think I say it more easily than my mother did. You know, I'm not. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Right. But what do you want me to do? I can't. You know, chop my head off. I've done it. That's it. We right. have to go on. No, it's totally. It's very true. And I think that's the. I tell there was some book I read a long time ago. It was a memoir from like the 1700s where. A boy had a priest for a father, and he a finally saw his father be infallible <laughs> when he was like seven, and he never recovered. Yeah. And it's very, I mean, that's the, you know, every, I mean, I think that's, you know, for me, like, I was, I just think that I always thought that there would be a point when I would, you know, have had enough therapy or enough <laughs> something where I would finally be cured and no. I wouldn't be crazy anymore or messed up in any way, and it just, it's not going to happen for no. me. <laughs> it's definitely fragile in whatever way I am, and I think everybody is. And that's yeah. kind of the human condition, you and know. I, and you, you, and I think that's for me what happened with my mother is that it's not that we don't have problems anymore. We still aggravate each other and upset each other and are, you know, bossy and opinionated and all kinds of things. But I feel that for the first time in my life, I fully accept somebody for every beautiful thing they have and every shortcoming they have and it doesn't really matter anymore we have to be more forgiving yeah I mean, I mean you really people are just who they are and nobody I mean really nobody is perfect <laughs> and you know that for sure with your own kids I mean my god I feel like I should have started the psychiatric fund five years ago <laughs> well I'm a, I'm a I'm a social worker this is you know the name of the show the Catherine Zox show you're a social worker with a microphone so uh-huh. I and I believe, you know, not only do I do therapy, but I, I, I think therapy is a lifelong commitment, and you can do it at mm-hmm. different stages, of, just like you said, because there are different challenges at every stage. You know, wait till your daughter gets married, or wait, oh, till, you know, God. You have, wait till she's a teenager and she hates me. Well, did you listen? You have to read the other, uh, the, <laughs> the, the other author that I interviewed before you, the Mother Daughter Project. And it's all oh, mothers and daughters great. and teenagers. So I should get the two. I should have had both of you on the show together. Well, we can do it again. We can do it again. It's that love hate thing that you're going to mm-hmm. have. Yes. And uh, uh, but but you do. You get through that too. And it's funny. I think. Well, for me anyway, this was boys, not girls. But the twenties are really a, a good payback. Or they were for me anyway. Or are for a good me. payback in what sense? Like they finally came back to you, or you got paid back for them? <laughs> for, what do you mean? For me being such a fabulous mother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they get they're older they can sit down and they can talk to me I'm not responsible for everything that they do they make out their right. own choices so there is that distance that adult distance and mm-hmm. there's a certain um, I don't know serenity in that you know it's not mm-hmm. like I'm the one telling them what to do right uh, and, and yeah and so they're adults I guess and that that's what makes it easy easier for me and easier for them well that's great I think a lot of parents have a hard time when their kids grow up yeah you know transitioning to letting them make their own decisions because you're so used to sticking your finger in their ear or their nose to clean it out and you have no boundaries i know you know and then suddenly you're like not allowed in the room without knocking or exactly yeah you're right it's difficult i think for my generation of baby boomers because we're those helicopter parents you know Mm -hmm. used to hovering and even when they're in college and cell phones and all that overly 
communicating there's our music have to say goodbye great having you on the show today Catherine Lloyd Burns it hit me like a ton of bricks a memoir of a mother and daughter you can buy it at amazon.com and bookstores everywhere happy mother's day Catherine happy mother's day to you too Catherine have a great day bye you too. bye 45 minutes past the hour you're listening to Catherine Zox on voiceamerica.com Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. If you are among the millions who are on the quest to find the fountain of youth, then this is the program for you. Dr. Norm Shealy brings to Internet Talk Radio Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Dr. Shealy's mission is to help you have optimal health and longevity, and the purpose of youthful aging is to give you an opportunity to ask your own questions about anything related to health, and everything is related to health. Each week, Dr. Shealy will focus on a particular health topic and welcome welcomes your questions, which are the reason for the program. Tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Youthful Aging, Secret of the Fountain, with Dr. Norm Shealy. And discover for yourself the secret of the fountain. Whether you're a weekend warrior, an elite athlete, or a want-to-get-fit-this-year kind of person, there's an athlete in all of us on Everyday Athlete with certified personal trainer Ann Parker. Get inspired to reach the next level of fitness. Ann and her guests, including former and current pro athletes, coaches, and a variety of medical professionals discuss the latest in training techniques for all athletes, from sports nutrition, physical therapy, balance, and agility training to injury prevention, functional training, yoga, Pilates, and team communication and covers it all whether you want to lose that holiday weight get ready for your wedding day train for the next walk run marathon or compete in the olympics everyday athlete provides the know-how to keep you eager excited and motivated with the latest and healthy training techniques everyday athlete with ann parker broadcast each tuesday at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern on the voice america health and wellness channel everyday athlete tapping into the everyday athlete in every Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Forty-eight minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show on Voice America and VoiceAmerica.com. Women, this is the, the the first show, the inaugural show, and it's a Mother's Day show because Mother's Day is on Sunday. Joining me as my guest host today, and uh, she's done that many times on many shows, is Lauren Deller. If you are just joining us, too bad because you missed a good show, but <laughs> we still have a few minutes left. And uh, Lauren is president of Big Fish Nation, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, and she's my business coach. And uh, you can take that in the comfort of your own home or office, and you can log on to Big Fish Nation. So, Lauren, um, as I said, as I was telling what Catherine Lloyd Burns, I mean, I do believe in therapy as a lifelong process and business coaching as well. <laughs> I think uh, we always need support. I agree with you. Don't you? I agree with you. I, I need it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to be a good mother, and I, I don't know if it was Catherine or um, Dr. Hankins, but to be a good mother, I think we need support. You need whether you if, and sometimes you don't get it, like you and I were saying, from your mother or your mother-in-law. I mean, you may need it from a professional. Yeah, and it was actually Sue Ellen Hankins that was talking about how we need support 
from people through every stage of a, our child growing up. Yes. Because the stages are just different. It's not that they get out of a stage and you don't need support anymore. I love that point. Yeah. One of the things, though, and you have, I don't know if you have this yet, because Sarah Bell is not in school. But, like, is that Sarah Bell? It is. She's yeah, outside per- my office. The perfect daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Letting her voice be known. Letting her voice be known. She needs to be on Voice America Women. <laughs> well, she just was, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, her screen was perfect because it's just what I was going to say. This is what I want to talk about. You get into this whole competition thing with other mothers. And I found that there was so much of that, and it used to drive me crazy. Now, that, I, I don't know, you know, whether it's sleeping through the night or they are learning how to read, or and then when they get in elementary school, the competition even gets, you know, even more um, I don't want to say tough, but, you know, my kid's on this team and that team and gets straight A's. I mean, do you get any of that? You know, I see how you can so easily get caught up in it. And, you know, it's interesting, the two guests that we're on today, you can see how if we as parents get caught up in that, what we're teaching our children in um, Catherine Lloyd Burns' situation, you know, it was about competition. I have a feeling that competition between the mother and daughter was probably a big deal without them ever speaking of it. But when we make competition in the world such a big deal, look what the precedent we're setting. Yeah, so we have to be very aware. That, but it's, how do you get away from it? It's oh, really tough. It is. It's, I find it so funny. You know, I find myself right now, Sierra is 15 months old, and I was telling a mother, oh, she knows 60 signs. You know, she's, she's you know, we're doing, and I'm like, yeah. there it is right there. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I guess what it is, what's, I guess you have to take a look at, so what's the purpose? Why do I want exactly. to tell this other mother that she has, you know, she does all these great things? Is that to make her feel bad about her kid who exactly. can't do it? Exactly. So I was actually wrote that down as I was listening to the two um, two people that you were speaking with. As parents, I think it's important to ask ourselves, what's our intention? And are we getting what we're, are we creating that? Like, is that what's happening or not? Because sometimes we set out with an intention, but it's not absolutely, it's so not what we're intending. Yeah, and sometimes though it just comes from the gut. It's so oh. emotional with your kids because you're so proud and you're so excited, and you don't necessarily mean it as a setup for the other mother that her kid isn't doing what your child is doing. Right, it's, but, and it's different values too. And then we put our values on other people and vice versa. Yeah, so it's it's like you say, you always have to. That's a really good point, and I know that's one of the point of the of the big fish. <laughs> um, principles also and it really does work what is your intention yeah. you know and the difference between intention and goals um and sometimes um they're very different so you always have to be aware of what your intention is but uh i'm anxious to see when you when you get more into when sierra gets a little bit older i mean it, it just it gets and i think it's more intense now even with your you know the age group than even with my kids oh i would think so there's just so much happening it's, and it's interesting there's so there was, I think I also saw this on the Today Show, how, and it was around the time that um, Sue Ellen Hopkins was on, you know, how parents and children are just so busy. Every day you're booked with something, and it's like you can't get them. They're in too many things. They're in so many things. Who am I to say too many? But, you know, so many things that every single day after school there's something because I want them to be good at so many things. I even felt bad about that. I remember sitting, and this is, I'll give you a little advice because I'm a, you, you're an old mother, but I'm an older mother. <laughs> and I've had more experience, and I'm not your mother, and I'm not your mother-in-law. But I remember sitting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I do remember sort of sitting at, at home and, and, you know, with the boys and all their activities and thinking, you know, I would just like to be sitting here and, and not having to think about how they have to be good at soccer or good at piano and just to kind of play and have a good time. And, you know, they come home from school, do their homework, uh, and 
then we can do some fun stuff before they go to bed and get up and go to school the next day. And I do remember feeling badly about that. Not having it so structured and so yeah. um, focused and goal-oriented. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had to go to Sunday school. And even if you set limits, which I did, and some parents didn't, they had their kids running around to two or three different sports activities and, and uh, theater and everything. I tried to minimize it, but still you want them to be able to accomplish things and feel good about themselves. But I still, maybe it was my 50s kind of background of wanting to just get on my bike and ride around the neighborhood and enjoy myself. Yeah, I think that we need more of that. I actually think that's good for relationships, whether it's, you know, parent-children, whether it's spouse. I think it's good for any relationship to do something like that. But we don't do it. We don't do it so much, that's for sure. We do less of it because we're so connected to the rest of the world and the computers. And, you know, I've spent this whole week just fixing, having people in fixing my equipment from my computer. <laughs> it's easy to do. And my voice, I have to tell you, my voice convinced me. I guess this is uh, my Mother's Day present to them because they said they'll come home more often if I have this. To get a 42, this, and this is a guy thing, I think it's a 42 or a 46-inch flat-screened television. They are so funny. They bribed you. They bribed me. I said, you, so, so they said, we have this, and we'll come home, we'll bring our friends, okay, which is not true. I am stuck with this <laughs> thing that looks like it's half the size of the room. <laughs> I don't even care. I've got this little phone, that, you know, television in my bedroom that I watch, but, and, uh, you know, the signal hasn't be, been good, and I have to call time more. I'm spending all this time trying to get this huge TV fixed, which I didn't want in the first place. So That's, funny. Yeah. And then they're not there to they're not there to watch it. No, they're not here to watch it. They're not here to, to get it fixed and to have to stay here and wait for the guy to come and fix it. Oh, that's a funny story. They, yeah, they're, they're very funny. They're cute, but they—I mean—they do come home, but not just for the television set. Oh, that's a good um, thing. If they did, you'd feel bad about it. Exactly. So yeah. Are they, so are they all coming home for Mother's Day? No. Um, we're going to Washington, D.C. One of my sons, uh, my youngest son, Andrew Zox, is with Synetic Theater. Lauren, you know that. Uh-huh. They're uh, doing Animal Farm, a show. He's an actor, and uh, it's in uh, Washington uh, this weekend. This is, I think, their second week, uh, so we're going down to see that. Maybe one of the other boys will come, too. But my mother will also be there. Oh, nice. So, yeah, what are you doing for Mother's Day? You know, it's going to be a simple, a simple day. I said I don't want to cook, and I just want to <laughs> relax. <laughs> well, don't cook on Mother's Day. I'm somebody not going should, to. No, somebody should be cooking for you. That's and what's happening. Your husband or? I'm not sure yet. We haven't figured out. It's probably going to be another glorious day here, so we tend to do, you know, find parks and picnics and things like that and fresh, clear water, and we'll find something. Cause, well, I made reservations at a big fancy hotel for Mother's Day brunch. Good for you. That sounds good. Because we're going to be in Washington, D.C. They had 700 reservations. Oh, barely, my God. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. You couldn't get a reservation anywhere. So if you're planning to go That's out. That's what I was thinking. I don't even know if I want to deal with that, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you have the baby, so you don't want to go to some fancy restaurant. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Or don't, because I'm all, that's another thing. Mothers who bring their... <laughs> I'm not on the Wicked Witch of the North. They bring their babies into, and the baby's crying, and I never went. I was always good about that. Kept the babies out, had the Mother's Day at home when they were young. That's what I would do, too, keep it easy. Yeah, keep it simple. And she can't cook for you now, so you've got to have somebody else. Oh, exactly. Don't worry. We'll make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I said to the boys, all I want really for Mother's Day is a card. I really do appreciate that. I would like it when the boys send me a card, and and I don't need a present. I'm trying to get rid of all my stuff. Stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want more stuff. I don't need it. But just well, you don't have any room with that big TV in your house. No, I don't. That's it. <laughs> we have one minute left. Fifty-seven minutes past the hour. You and I have to say goodbye. But you'll be back and have a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to and you happy too. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Catherine Zox, Lauren Beller. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com, and uh, you are listening 
to the Catherine Zock Show, the first show. Uh, join us again next Thursday at, i got to get the time right because we're in different time zones, but it's 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The Catherine Zock Show, your social worker with a microphone. Um, have a great day, and we'll uh, see you next Thursday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. 